Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our very first Saturday special of Totally Uncalled For. Sorry for the little hiatus. We had a little break for the holiday, but we are back and we are ready to go. I'm your boy, Jack, and I got my co-host, Dinger, with me. Dinger, say what's up. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, I know you guys probably miss these voices, but we are back and we are better than ever. All right, guys, I'm sorry for the, for the little hiatus again. We had a little bit of a holiday break. Dinger, how was your Christmas? How was your New Year's? Christmas was great. New Year's was great. Um, football, on the other hand, uh, I had some big disappointments. UCF losing to uh, LSU and then the Vikings in total utter disappointment. Probably one of the most disappointing seasons I've ever had as a Vikings fan with such high hopes in everything going into the season. And Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. just letting us down. Offensive coordinator getting fired. Et cetera, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Vikings definitely were looking like a potential um, playoff team, uh, maybe even Super Bowl team when this season started, bringing back a lot of that talent. They had Dalvin Cook coming back, who had a great year, although he did miss some games. Um, but definitely the biggest disappointment had to have been with Kirk Cousins after all that money he got and then the offensive coordinator getting fired. Vikings just need to hit the hit the reset button on that offense, get a new coordinator in there, keep the pieces they have, and then go forward. Anybody but Hugh Brown, Hugh Jackson, please. Mike Zimmer, I know you used to work with him, but anybody but Hugh Jackson, please. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that UCF game because that was actually one of the craziest, most wild, exciting – college football games that I have ever had the pleasure of going to. And Dinger, I wish you could have joined me for that game. That trip was absolutely I insane. wish you could have joined me on the Peach Bowl the previous year when we won, and the stadium was even more packed than it probably was at the Fiesta Bowl, due, well, probably more due to the location of where it was being held. Definitely, definitely. I definitely messed up by not going to the Peach Bowl last year, but that's why I made sure that I had to go to this game this year. And you know what? The flights, they did not give us any help with the flights, so I definitely will attribute some of the, the lack of our fan base and on both sides making it to the game. I dropped fucking $700 on a ticket. That shit was absolutely insane. But Flying what? The- Spirit? What? American Airlines, baby. Ain't nothing less. But anyways, um, that game was absolutely insane. Uh, UCF came out like a house on fire, going up 14-3 early after that 97-yard, or what was it, 93-yard pick six off, um, what was his name? Joe Burrow. Off Joe Burrow, yeah, going 93 yards to the house, running right into the student section where me and all the boys were sitting. It was electric out there. Um, But the most disappointing part of it, I think, to me, has to be coaching. And as as much praise as Josh Heupel has gotten this year, where were the coaching adjustments? Dinger, from your eyes, from watching it on the TV screen, what, what went wrong? Why didn't we go into that half down three I, and make our adjustments to come out firing? What so, happened? honestly, I don't see it really as a coaching adjustment. I just see it as us being outplayed. So, we, are we, so we, I'm not going to say, oh, it's because we lost our starting safety when LSU lost their starting safety. One of their corners is already out, and they lost another corner. So I'm not going to say, oh, we lost a player. They lost plenty of players. But at the same time, LSU consistently gets five-star recruits, four-star recruits. We're lucky to even get one four-star recruit. Uh, that's Ooh, a be- little – that's a false statement, Darren. We, we just signed one the other day, and we have two others on the way. That's three. Four, four defensive – I'm sorry. 
three four-star defensive line commits already. So I'll put that I'm, out there. Continue. I'm sorry, Dinger. All right. Well, v- verbal commits are different from co- fully commit, fully committed. So from what I saw earlier after signing day, we had no four-star athletes. That may have changed. I'm sorry for the misinformation. But at the same time, LSU is stacked up and down with four- and five-star recruits. They probably get about four- or five-star and 10 to 15 four-star recruits every year. Even with all the secondary woes that LSU had, they still had their number one linebacker, Devin White, senior leader of their defense, probably one of the best players on their team, a bet from Greedy Williams, who was sitting out. And he retabs on us. He forced a fumble in a crucial situation, backed up in our own, in our own end zone and was able to spy the quarterback in key third-down situations so that he, Darrell Mack wasn't able to run. And as a true freshman quarterback, it's hard going against a senior who's an NFL top 10, top 15 pick, consensus number one overall linebacker in all of college. So, yeah, yeah it was tough. But as I was saying, it's LSU, they get all the top recruits every year. They're number two in recruiting this year. So even their backups are huge. So when we lose a player, it's a lot harder because that player has been playing the whole year. He's probably one of the best at the position, and we don't get the depth that LSU gets. And and apart from that, they had their their number one quarterback, Joe Burrow, who's coming off a pretty good game against Texas A&M, putting up over 70 points and quite possibly the longest game in college football history. So, yeah, it's definitely tough going into that game. And like you were saying about coaching, I, I didn't really see it was coaching. We came out, there was drop passes over and over again on third down, on fourth down, a deep ball that was easily an 80-yard touchdown to uh, Gabe Davis. And then we got a break on that punt return right mm-hmm. after. And yeah. we didn't capitalize. We got a field goal instead of a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Going into this game, I had it as a coin flip. I didn't really know if UCF was going to pull it out without Mackenzie Milton, but I thought we were going to be able to cover the spread and keep it within a touchdown, which we did. Eight points instead of seven and seven. I had seven and a half. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely tough. I think we did show that we do belong with the top schools. And with just, as many, with just as many important players out as LSU, we were able to bring it to them all the way in the desert and show that we do belong and that we didn't get completely trounced. Exactly. And I'm very proud of our team, honestly. The way that we were able to hang in there, keep it close – um, but here's why I say that it's, it was a little bit on coaching. So going into this game, UCF was one of the best third-quarter teams in the league, letting up the fewest amount of points in the third quarter. In the third quarter, we, our defense was non-existent. We could not get off the field. And then we'd flip it over, or they'd score, we'd get the ball back, and all of a sudden it was two fake handoff runs and a handoff later, and it was already fourth down. So Our, our offense yeah, stayed on the Jack, field for Jack, a you, third of the game. You don't, you don't understand you live and you die by the quick offense that you run. When your offense goes three and out, that hurts you a lot because your defense 100%. Is, because they're they're running the ball, they're throwing the ball down the field, going on five minute drive, six minute drive, six minute drive, and that wears your defense out. We don't have the massive defensive depth that a lot of these other teams do. The ability to switch defensive linemen and ha- be next man up. Yes, we're we're a greatly coached team. We're we have a we're compiled. But where were the adjustments, players. Dinger? Where were there the was, adjustments? I, none, dude. I none. saw a lot of missed tackles. 
the the plays were there to be had. It it was just the same old thing that would hurt us in the first half of previous games. Just missed tackles and missed tackles, and drop a few, balls, drop and, balls. Yeah, it, and a couple it, defensive breakdowns. We could not get a stop on and third down. A bunch that was of our stupid problem. and a bunch of stupid fucking penalties too. Yeah, that, yeah. Early that in the game, the passer that roughing the passer early in the game that I believe was a pretty shitty call. We did get one back the next drive when we drove down the field and scored. But yeah, it was it it was a big momentum breaker ever since Joe Burrow's head literally left his fucking body when Joey Connors took it the fuck off. It, something happened in him to where I guess he plays better when he's concussed. Yeah, I honestly did not think that he was going to be able to get up after one a devastating hit. And honestly, that was something that I just loved watching. That's some good old-fashioned smash-mouth football right there. And uh, I know you appreciate that. And it was a clean hit, too. It was uh, He went lead with the shoulder, no helmet the helmet. It was awesome. But what really pissed me off, what really pissed me off was that third and long situation where we get the sack and then our defensive lineman picks up the football and spikes it into the ground for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, leading to a first down and eventually a touchdown. That is what pissed me off. That is not disciplined, and you got to re- like resort that back to coaching. Like our team needed to be more disciplined going into this game, and we weren't. Like we did not have the discipline to stay into this game. And luckily, with a couple th- a couple um, breaks going our way. We're able to hang in there at the end and get that last touchdown, get that two point conversion, and it led to that onside I, kick. Do you know Dinger. what I do want to say? The the Matt, the onside kick that Matt kicked was Bro. one of the best onside kicks I've ever seen. I was it was just there about to, say it. to fucking be had, and they didn't get the ball. That, that was the best onside kick that I have ever seen just, in my entire they, life. So they they outlawed the rule where you can you can't just spike it into the ground and have it pop up once. It has to dribble at least twice and what? it was a yeah so no it was a legal kick that's what i'm saying oh it's of a, course yeah it's a lot harder to have the ball bounce 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 boom pop right up in the air and give mm-hmm. you a perfect short hop to a somebody who probably doesn't practice it that much because it's hard to replicate an onside kick that perfect and that was amazing the perfect short hop and we didn't get the ball it, I mean, was, it was there it was there to be Oof. had it bounced right off his chest and I believe it was on the floor, number, ball number, on the ground. I just I remember we had a guy who was going to get the ball, and number eighteen on LSU shoved him aside and right jumped out. on him. Yeah, he mm-hmm. wanted it looked like he wanted the ball more. And, and I'm yeah. very proud of our team. I think we did. We played a great game. Joe Burrow just had he our just number that us. day. He outplayed yeah. us. I, and you know, at the end of the day, Dinger. I'm, I, may, I am disappointed in the outcome of the game. We're not used to losing. That's two straight seasons of undefeated. But we have to be proud in what we did. And we have to be happy with the conversation that we started. Look at it. All these LSU fans, these mighty SEC LSU fans, and all around the nation, they cannot stop talking about how, LS, or how UCF finally lost. If that's the conversation, I'm okay with that. If they're talking about how UCF finally lost and it was only a one-touchdown game, I'm okay with that. I can sleep at night knowing that my boys put up a fight and that the rest of the nation is on watch. Bro, especially – if I don't know if you saw, but DeAndre Francois, the former quarterback of FSU, was on Instagram Live talking about how UCF offered him out of high school. And he's like, honestly, he's like, I laughed at them. They they went – 0-12 0-12 year. We were going and he's like, him. and look at them now. All they're doing is winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, 
you see it across the nation with uh, some of these high school players. Uh, the Under Armour All-American uh, game was the other day, the other night, actually. And one of the top defensive linemen recruits, defensive end. Um, I believe he was a number 63 overall defensive end in the nation. Four star. Not defensive, um, not number 63 overall player in the nation. Yes, yes, yes. Traymon Morris Brash is his name. They call him Drop. That's my boy. They call him Drop. He had a sack in the first quarter of that Under Armour game. And he did his uh, his commitment at the game, and he goes. They go, hey, where are you going to be playing next year? And what were his words, Dinger? I'm going to be I'm playing going... at the best school in Florida. Hell Pulls out yeah. the UCF hat, and then hell yeah, crowd goes wild. I was absolutely so excited to see that because um, we're getting the notice. Everyone sees what we're doing, and they know that we actually are for real, and we're here to stay. I think we're going to be just fine going forward. The next few years are going to be bright. We're going to have. Um, a, uh, we're gonna have Daryl Mack come back next year with experience. He's gonna know. He's gonna know what's expected of him, and he's gonna know what this offense requires of him. And I think that after two games for a 19-year-old kid to come into the New York New York Six Bowl game in the Fiesta Bowl and play how he did and keep us in that game, I think he deserves some kind of respect, and we should commend him. Yeah, he didn't have a stats uh, a stat sheet stuffing game, only 97 yards passing. Uh, don't know exactly how much on the ground, but he his stats do not show exactly how he played. He did okay. He brought us to the end with a chance to win, and that's all we could ask for a 19-year-old kid like him. I, I think agree. the future is bright for UCF. I, I as well. I, but I, Dinger, believe, I believe that as well. Dinger, I just wanted to transition here into some of the other bowl games because how how UCF played – and how this game was, I think it put a lot of people around the country on watch for this co- co- college football playoff system. I mean, the, we saw the in the two games previous to this, Oklahoma against Alabama, it looked like it was going to be a blowout from the beginning. And Kyler Murray, the Heisman Trophy winner, was able to bring him back and made it get a somewhat close game. But that game wasn't entertaining. Look at the Clemson game. Clemson routed Notre Dame. Notre Dame couldn't even get a touchdown on the board. Notre Dame looked as fraudulent <laughs> as we all called them. I remember what before happened? I remember before we came on here, I was talking about how Notre Dame is trash, how they're always consistently the most overrated team in the overrated. nation. Overrated. Overrated. They have a history and people like to look back on history, sort of how you get Yankees fans to talk about, oh, we've won the most championships of any professional sports team ever. Or when you talk to Packers fans like, we have this many championships. We have this many Super Bowls. Buddy, nobody gives a fuck about what you did in the past. It's about what you're doing here now in the present and what's going to happen mm-hmm. in the future. Only small-minded people talk and think about the past. And exactly. Talk, talk about how, oh, I was so raw in high school, dude. Like, f- no. We talk about the present and mm-hmm. the future. So, yeah, basically, I knew that this game was going to be a blowout from the start. I put all my fucking money into Clemson's spread. I had heard uh, one of my so guys. So many shekels. I had so heard, many shekels. I had heard my boy, John Middlecoff, from, from a podcast that I listened to, talk about how he thought Clemson could win the national championship. Oh, definitely. I think and, they have a for sure shot of, at the national championship going up against Alabama. I will but- be putting my money on Clemson. They're getting five points. Now, we saw last year what happened. Alabama won on the last – what was it, overtime? I can't recall. Overtime touchdown pass. Um, 
I definitely – it was a close game the whole way after Tua Tagovailoa came in. I definitely see Clemson hanging around this game. It's going to be close. This is the fourth time in the last, what was it, like five years that this team has met each other? Uh, well, they met last year in to go in the playoffs, to go the to playoff. the to go to the championship. Then mm-hmm. they had two back-to-back years of playing each other. So yeah, it's so this, been I guess, at least maybe the fourth it, time. Yeah, the, fourth I think it's the, this is the fourth time, I believe. Yes. Yes. So, so yeah, like I definitely think Clemson has seen Nick Saban enough times to go out there and put a, pro, uh, a, a game plan together to keep them in this ballgame. And I think five points is just way too much. I think Clemson will definitely cover and possibly even win this game. But Nick Saban, we cannot discount what he has up his sleeve. He is that the Bill man. Belichick of college football. He is the second greatest football coach that I have ever seen in my lifetime. And he's probably that for a lot of other people who are a lot yeah. older than I am. Mm-hmm. One thing that I like about him is his positive discontent. After every win, every other most coaches in the college football sphere, after the win, they talk about how great their team did, how proud of their boys they are, and that's pretty much all they say. And they go into the locker room, they hype their boys up. Nick Saban. He'll say, yeah, we did this great, we did that great, but he's going to get on his boys, and he's going to be like, you guys broke down defensively, mental errors, and he makes it known that he is disappointed in the way his team plays. And I think that sparks a fire in his boys because they know themselves as the best players in the country. They have some of their, some of their backups would be SEC team going, or any team in the country, and they know that. Yo, when, Jack, I want to harp on Nick that Saban, point about the backup for a second. Quentin, Go for it. Quentin, this is building on what you were saying, but Quentin Williams mm. was a rotational defensive lineman until this year as a defensive mm-hmm. tackle. He is the number one defensive tackle in college, probably most guaranteed to be a top five overall pick this year. Mm-hmm. And when he was at the podium and he's like, they're yeah. asking about Kyler Murray, he's like, hey, man, I don't think that Kyler Murray is – and then just stops. He's like, he got the fear of God, the fear of Nick Saban under his ass. He knew he had to stop talking. Like, Wait, who the, who the fuck is my coach again? Oh yeah, that's right. Nick Saban. And he'll literally sho- shove his hand up my ass and then pull out my rectum and then shove it back in. If I fucking say <laughs> anything bad about Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray showed he's yeah. the best foot college quarterback right now. Yeah. Uh, he definitely shows some resilience after the going down heavy in the beginning, brought that team back into a manageable game, but it was just too late at that point. And um, Quentin Williams definitely backed up the talk that we all presume he was going to say. I mean, we don't know what exactly he was going to say, but it seemed as if he was going to say, I don't think Kyler Murray is really that good. Uh, you, you don't have to quote me on that, but it looked like as if that's what he was going to say. And he backed it up with his play. He went in there and he shut Kyler Murray down in the beginning. He made him look like he wasn't a Heisman Trophy even candidate. Um, and that's just the that's just been the storyline of uh, the Alabama defense for the entire year and the entire last decade. Even that Alabama defense is good enough to go against some NFL teams, if you ask me. And I, I honestly think that they're going to give Clemson some problems, but <coughs> with their experience, Dabo Sweeney, he's as, just as good as a coach, I think. As, uh, as Nick Saban, maybe not yet on that level, but Dabo Sweeney needs to get the respect that he deserves. And I think that the fact that they're back here again, going up against the mighty Alabama team and Nick Saban, this is going to be one for the books. I definitely think we're going to see a high-scoring game here with um, Trevor Lawrence 
Sunshine, that boy looking like, remember the Titans? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I definitely can see this game going big. Um, Dinger, do you happen to know what the over-under is on this game? I would say it's probably around like 60 points, 50 points maybe. Dude, I would probably say it's something around – oh, damn, you're right, 59. Wow, look at me. What hey, a guess. that boy. Yeah, so um, definitely think that this game is going to go big. I don't know um, if I'm taking the over in this game, but I'm definitely excited to watch. What do you think, Ding? Yeah, I, I'd say – I'd seen like a 34 to 30 game, and I do think that Alabama does pull through. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I could easily see Clemson winning by a few points – so, yeah, I, I, I really like this game. Yeah. Quick question, Dinger, before we move on to some NFL talk. Mm-hmm. Do you think the college football playoff committee got it right with the four teams they had in there? No. No, right? I, mean, I believe they got it right. With, look, I believe they got it right with the top two. With the two. Yes. But Notre Dame did not. Notre Dame had there. no business. They had to put Oklahoma in just because mm-hmm. of the situation. But, and, I, I mean, I guess you sort of have to put Notre Dame in there. They did have a stronger schedule than us. But just look, they always say the eye test, the eye test. The eye test had us better than Notre Dame. I can tell you that much. They had Notre I would Dame say had that. their one win agree. against Michigan at the beginning of the year. And then we just saw Michigan falter after they went down to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And then they got trounced by Florida. So, I mean, college football playoff to me, to me they got this dead wrong and I'm not going to say that they should have put UCF in the top four because I mean Florida went out and they handled business they shit on Michigan they they definitely made a a case for them uh Georgia everyone says Georgia should have been in the top four but you know Georgia got shit on by Texas Texas them boy um them boys in Texas they were running play number eight go fuck yourself bitch fucking all night long and then, and then their and, and their mascot was going after the bulldog dude Be- yeah, Bevo. I, think, I, think, I think that was the sign from the beginning that everyone should have known Georgia was absolutely fucked it should have been Texas by 90 i should have put all my money on Texas after that bull went after the bulldog and um I honestly, I'm happy that there was no uh, no actual harm done to any of the animals. Yeah, of in, course. In that altercation. Or even any of the people that were with the animals yes, as well. Yes, and none of the trainers or anything. I'm very happy. Um, I mean, but what do you expect if you have a freaking thousand pound bull with horns the size of a freaking minivan it's funny too because on the sideline? It's because Bevo also posted on his Twitter or Instagram right before that saying the best of friends when they were just chilling together, all fine. And, and then game time happens. And Bevo is going horns fucking up on the goddamn bulldog right before right before kickoff. So you know hey. you know it's sort of like how Chris Long, Kyle Long said to Chris Long before the game. Yeah, we're friends, we're brothers, but today we're not brothers anymore. And exactly. that's that's how Bevo Bevo felt towards mm-hmm. towards the bulldog. So yeah, yeah, they the, them them boys in Texas they just flipped the switch. Um, and I definitely think they had that uh, that Longhorn mentality. And they went in there and they trounced the Bulldogs. So, I mean, Texas was ranked 15 going in this game. They shit on Georgia, who was, what, five, right? Yeah, I believe so. So, I definitely think college football committee got it wrong. But the fact that all these high-seeded teams played as well as they did and made a name for themselves, made a case for themselves to get into that playoff, definitely think the conversation to expand the playoff needs to start today. It absolutely needs to happen. I I think if we had more teams in that playoff, 
we're seeing a totally different outcome. And we're not going to see the Clemson versus Alabama like we have for the past fucking 8,000 years. College football we're- is getting to the point where it's, it's like the NBA now. It's the same yeah. teams over and over and over again mm-hmm. with maybe a new team sprinkled in here. They're like, oh, we'll give you a little sprinkle of Notre Dame, even though they're fucking trash. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's getting old. It's sort of getting annoying to this point. But, hey, what, what are we going to do? It's definitely it's it. They, they ruin the bowl games like all the other bowl games don't matter anymore. These kids, they're just sitting out because it, to them, it's either the college football playoff or bust. And it really has ruined the other bowl games. I think ratings are down. Um, there definitely has to be a loss of revenue for some of these bowl games. If I'm on if I'm on the committee of all the other bowl games or however it may may work, I'm not sure exactly. I'm a little disappointed in the way that things work this year because these bowl games were heavily discounted. Players are sitting out and um, the playoff was absolutely trash, but hopefully we can get a little bit of a, um, hopefully they can redeem themselves with this national championship game. I hope we can see some high. I I really think that this national championship game is going to be an amazing game. Yeah. So yeah, no, no less than last year, but, now that we're done with college, definitely it's time to move into the NFL, right, Jack? Yeah, I agree. Um, let's talk about this AB situation, Antonio Brown. Oh yeah, um, he's making headlines this week with uh, his behavior and his actions with the team. So he sat out week seventeen, and he was on the injury report. What was it for an ankle or a, a hip, a injury? knee, or something? Knee. Something, some fake ass oh. injury that Mike Tomlin is trying to protect Antonio Brown and help his team with and you know what it didn't fucking work because of course big ben leaks out to his little birdies around the town Mm -hmm. saying hey man antonio brown i threw antonio brown threw a football at me and we got in an argument and like a little tiny little baby back bitch decided that he wasn't going to show up to practice the rest of the week and then shows up on game day expects to play mike conlon says no you don't show up all week for practice you're not playing and I do commend wow. him for that, for, for deciding that he wasn't going to start as superstar wide receiver in a must-win game scenario. Mm-hmm. A must-win game scenario. And decided not to play him. I mean, they ended up pulling out the win. The Ravens ended up pulling out the win. The Steelers are sent, are sent home, packing their lockers out right now. And now the Steelers are putting out tr- are fielding trade requests for Antonio Brown before the NFL draft and before free agency. So I'd yeah. be surprised to see where he lands because, frankly, I think the Steelers are done with him. I think Big Ben doesn't want him, and I, I think Big Ben has the owner's ear. So yeah. I think Antonio and- Brown is gone. And then you have, you have people like Ryan Clark going out and talking against Antonio Brown, saying how mm-hmm. he thought that they were creating a monster if they were going to ever give this guy a big contract. Said that he thought he was a superstar player, but he was a monster. And then you have Deion Sanders' son saying – calling him lame, and then you have Antonio Brown lashing back at him, calling him Uncle Tom. Shut the fuck up, Antonio Brown. Just because somebody disagrees with you and has a difference of an opinion to you, you call him an Uncle Tom. For for one, I do not think that Ryan Clark is an Uncle Tom. But at the same time, that's such a low and meaningless thing to say to somebody who used to play with, used to be friends with you, who's giving an opinion. Used to be a stealer. On on how you used to play. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that this problem started 
way back. What was it even? I think it was last season when uh, Antonio Brown went on that Facebook live in the locker room when, in, when Mike Tomlin is trying to rally his team and have a post team post game speech with his team. Uh, and Antonio Brown is to the side on it on the Facebook live. Um, that's the problem. And Mike Tomlin, he did not nip that in the bud. Then he definitely just swept <laughs> it under the rug, gave a B a couple slaps on the wrist. And I think at that point, A.B. kind of took it and ran. He, he said, I, I can do what I want. I'm the superstar. And he thinks that he can just do and say whatever he pleases. Mike Tomlin needed to nip it in the bud then and stop this problem from growing to where it is. Also, I also think Big Ben is the issue. Big Ben cannot keep his damn mouth shut. What happened with Le'Veon Bell? He said he spoke out saying how he disagreed or didn't like what uh, Le'Veon Bell was doing. And now look, Le'Veon Bell is gone. Yeah. AB is going to be the next. This team had the fucking weapons on offense and on defense to be a Super Bowl team for the past five years. They have two. Uh, they have the best, or they had one of the best running backs in Le'Veon Bell, the best wide receiver in uh, Antonio Brown, and no slouch of a quarterback with Big Ben. However, yeah. However, I think that the Steelers messed up by doubling down on Big Ben, even though Big Ben has said for the past couple of years that he's been considering retirement, and now they kind of shot themselves in the foot. They're stuck with Big Ben. They can't trade him. What are they going to get for him? They're, they're not going to – and then, and then he, he's going to retire, so they're not going to cut him. So they're kind of stuck with Big Ben. They're going to lose their two be- biggest weapons. This team is going to be completely different come yeah, next season. I agree. And I, I don't think they're going to be – in, in any situation to make the playoffs next year, so barring some crazy, crazy trade that they So made. I actually disagree. I think the Steelers are, like you said, and I think this take goes for everybody. I know you said it as well. They have the, some of the most talent in the NFL, and they're just a dysfunctional franchise because they're dealing with too many egos. You got mm-hmm. Big Ben's ego. You got Le'Veon Bell's ego. You got Antonio Brown's ego. <laughs> But they have a bunch of great young pieces. They have Juju Smith, who's a budding mm-hmm. star in yep. the league. They led the league in sacks. They have a good. They have good pieces on defense. Yeah, they give up some yards and give up some points, but they can rest the quarterback and create turnovers. Yeah, but this, who is going to want to come there? What free but, agent so is want to? The Steelers. Wanna... The Steelers have some of the best fans in the NFL. They have one of the greatest home field advantage. They're a winning franchise. They have great ownership. They get good players. They draft why people will still continue to want to play for that team. And once I think they ship a few of the Eagles out, the Le'Veon Bell situation, that's in the fucking – that's in the rear view right now. Antonio Brown looks like he's out, and they're going to get probably a top receiver and or, a first-round pick for it. They will get multiple first-round picks. Because Antonio Brown is under contract still. He doesn't have that many guarantees as, as it, that's concerned. He's not in paid an insane amount. I think it's around $15, 16000000 million a year, and it's not all guaranteed. So, yeah, I think they're going to get a, pin- a pretty penny for Antonio Brown, and I think this franchise is going to be just fine. And on that note, I want to get to the greatest weekend of college, of college and NFL football. We got, we got the Texans and the Colts playing in a few hours. Then we got your Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys playing mm-hmm. later tonight. And then early Sunday morning, we have another great matchup in the Chargers versus the Ravens. And then mm-hmm. to top it all off, the night game, Sunday night football on Woo. NBC. Yeah. The Bears and the Eagles are on our must-see TV. We, we got the Bears and the Eagles. It's must-see TV. 
And yeah. we just got plenty of games. And we're going to go and give you some not super in-depth analysis, but we're going to give you a little mm-hmm. bit of our thoughts on each game and our picks. Mm-hmm. So starting off with this first game, we got the Texans and the Colts plus one Colts, even money. What are your thoughts, Jack? Well, Dinger, honestly, as much as I'd love to say the Texans are going to win this game with how well they have played this year, when it comes to the playoffs, it's all about who's hot. Look at the Colts. Look at Andrew Luck. They are 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. They have turned into a playoff monster, and Andrew Luck is taking names. He's out there showing all the haters, all the doubters, that he is back and he's better than ever, and I think this Colts team is ready to go into Houston and cause some problems. I don't know, Dinger. Uh, Deshaun Watson has looked great. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins has looked even better. This team has weapons on both sides of the ball. J.J. Watt, uh, I really see this game going going very close, and it's going to come down to the end. But to be honest with you, I, I would take Moneyline Colts here. Fuck the plus one. Let's just go Moneyline Colts. It actually, so as you were talking, and I completely agree with you, the Colts actually went to plus two, and I put another double down on my bet. So – Let's go, Andrew Luck. But I'm, I'm, dude, I'm with you. It's in these wild card matchups. It's all about the hot team. The Houston mm-hmm. Texans had that close game against the Jets where they had to get bailed out. I don't remember what they did in Week 17 because I think they their spot was more than solidified. Actually, yes. it wasn't because they had the opportunity to be the number one seed and they had the opportunity to be the number six seed. Obviously, they won their game and they ended up as a number three seed, like we all thought they would heading into the week. But, yeah, dude, it's all about the hot team. The Colts are 9-1. And, and they lost a close game right before that to the Texans. And it was, a, it was an overtime game. And the Colts had the opportunity to punt the ball down the field. And it'd most likely be a tie. And they decided to go for it on fourth and five, backed up in their own territory. They missed, they, they missed the pass. I think, I think he uh, Deshaun Watson completed one pass to DeAndre Hopkins for, like, 10 to 12 yards. Fairbairn kicked a long, like a 40-something yarder to win the game at the end of the game, and they won that game. But I think these teams are very good, evenly matched teams. And in that type of matchup, I want the points. T.Y. Hilton has 300-yard games in NRG Stadium. He Mm -hmm. dominates the Texans year in and year out. And I think Andrew Luck in this early slot game has been successful. He's had that crazy comeback against the Chiefs which is the number one playoff comeback of all time. And I think that Andrew Luck is going to go in and show everybody that he is not just a top five quarterback in the NFL, but that he is up there as the best quarterback in the NFL. I would take Andrew Luck over Aaron Rodgers any day because of his leadership ability, his willingness to play with the team and have no ego. And that's the type of guy that I want fighting behind me, the type of guy that I want throwing the ball for my team. And I think the Colts have a bright future ahead of them. And I think they are a team to be trifled with in the AFC this Mm -hmm. year. Definitely. My pick for this game right here, Dinger, is Colts all the way. What do you got? I got Colts plus two. Give me the points if I can take them. I mean, I think Colts' money line is, what, plus 105. So at that Mm -hmm. point, give me the two points. If they lose by a missed extra point, which I don't think is going to happen because of Benetari in the playoffs. But Mm -hmm. you never know. They could get two field goals, and the Texans would get a touchdown. And that one point could matter. So, yeah, give me the two points instead of the one. I'll take the Colts plus two. 
Definitely. I think we're in agreement on this one, Dinger. Let's shift over to the um, the other wild card matchup in the AFC. Seahawks? We, uh, no, no, in the AFC. Oh, in I, the AFC? I thought we were just going to go chronological. Oh, yeah, you're right. Let's go chronological. So we'll we've talk got about my Seahawks first. Jack Seahawks Ooh. versus the Dallas Cowboys in Jerry World, mm-hmm. which has been a pretty good place for the Cowboys as of late, Jack. What are your thoughts? Well, honestly, I'm a homer. I'm definitely going to be biased here. Seahawks are going to win this game. Uh, the Seahawks have just proven time and time again that they have what it takes. This year, everyone's like, oh, it's a rebuild year. It's a rebuild year. Nobody from the Seahawks camp ever uttered the words rebuild. We don't rebuild, baby. We reload. Look what we just did. We won 10 games this year. Should have been 11 if we could fucking pull it out against those damn 49ers in that revenge game against us. But that's in the past. I definitely can see... The Seahawks running all over that uh, Dallas defense. Dallas defense has been tough, but Russell Wilson has shown time and time again that he just has what it takes. He has the weapons. He's got Chris Carson. He's got Mike Davis. He's got Doug Baldwin. He's got Tyler Lockett, who has been on point. David Moore, the silent assassin with the deep balls. Like This team is just built for success, and I think Jason Garrett can't get out of his own way. I definitely can see... Dallas Cowboys losing this game with some mental errors, some mental breakdowns, and I can see Seattle pulling this one out easily. To be okay. quite honest, it could be an easy game. All right, so I'm going to defer think? with you in this one, Jack. I, I do like – so in terms of the NFC or honestly the entire Super Bowl, I want it to be one of these teams. One, because I'd like to see my boy Jack happy. And two, mm-hmm. because I come from a family of Cowboys fans. I strayed away as a Vikings fan early on. And I still am a Vikings fan, true and true. But I do, I do root for the Cowboys when, when they are good. And it, I, but I'm not biased towards them. And in this respect, I think if the Cowboys lose this game, it's going to be because of a Herculean performance from Russ, which is not totally uncalled for. <clears throat> but but I, the running game, Dallas has one of the best run defenses at home in their own home stadium. In the playoffs, it's hard to run the ball on the road. And Dallas has one of the best front sevens in the NFL. Their defensive line is stacked with Randy Gregory, Tyrone Crawford, Demarcus Lawrence. And then you've got Clayton Vanderesh, quite possibly the defensive player rookie of the year if it was not for Darius Leonard on the Colts, as on the Colts team. And then you've got Jalen Smith, who's shown that from being injured early on in his career that he can come back and be the blue-chip elite linebacker that he is he is fast their linebackers are fast and they have sean lee as their third linebacker to to wrap it all up so <laughs> it's and, funny how and you then they have with sean lee right yeah just, yeah. Oh, just sean lee <laughs> yeah and yeah for real it, it, i mean if he's healthy he's a force to be reckoned with and you oh, got 100%. byron you got byron jones to lock down the entire side of the field but at the same time you also got russ in his legs and i think this is going to be a matchup up front it, are the seahawks gonna be able to run the ball down dallas's throat i really don't think so and Dallas is a good rushing team. I think the Seahawks are the better team here, but the fact that Dallas is at home and they're only getting they're only giving up two points. That's less than a field goal at home in the playoffs. I do think Russ's pedigree and you got Pete Carroll on the other sideline, you got the quarterback advantage and you got the coaching advantage, and that's always something that you look at before you bet a game. But I'm going to go with probably the better team and the team at home and as long as Jason Garrett doesn't fuck it all up, I do think the Cowboys can win this game because just because of the way the teams play. I, if, if, 
I could see the Seahawks coming out with a completely different game plan when we're like, we're going to throw the ball down the field. We're going to use Russ magic instead of just try to run the ball down your throat. So, yeah, honestly, I think whatever team goes up first is a team that wins the game. Yeah, that could very well happen. Teams, and Both these teams are good playing with a lead. Yeah, but the Cowboys sure. are not good playing from behind, but Russ is. So mm-hmm. it, This is what I see. I have zero faith in Jason Garrett. I have zero faith in Dak Prescott. Granted, Dak Prescott has shown that he can do – uh, he, he can get the job done this year. He did get Amari Cooper. He's got some more weapons. Zeke has been playing lights out. Definitely am not going to discount this Dallas team. Dallas has a great team on both sides of the ball. But their lack of coaching and their lack of confidence in their quarterback is what is going to decide this game, I think. I definitely think Russell Wilson, he just gets the job done in these crucial situations. And I can see Seattle making a push here. Granted, if they do win this game, they're going to have to go into New Orleans against Drew Brees, who is lights out at home. But look at Drew Brees' last four games. He has been a shell of who he is. But we'll see if he can step up in the, in the big moment here. Um, my pick for this game here, Seattle and Dallas, Seattle money line. Lock it up. Don't worry about the points. Seattle's going to win this game. Dinger, you, what do you got? I got Dallas minus two. Give me – that's only a field goal. In this instance, I, I like Dallas minus two. All right. Well, All right. That's, there you have it. This is our first disagreement. Let's shift back over to the AFC for the, uh, the, the Chargers and the Ravens. So, so, this matchup happened just three weeks ago, and we know how hard it is to beat a team twice in a season and beat a mm-hmm. team twice in a three- to four-week period. And honestly, to me, it boils down to – this is a legacy game for Phillip Rivers. This Definitely. is a game that, that he needs to win. If he ever wants to snip the Hall of Fame, he needs to win this game against a rookie quarterback in Lamar Jackson. Honestly, right. Lamar Jackson, I do not trust to throw the ball down the field on a third and eight situation. And I think not the Chargers know. You got Derwin James out there saying how he's figured out a way to stop Lamar Jackson. Derwin James, in my opinion, is quite possibly one of the best safeties in the NFL as a rookie. I think he's Mm going to shine in the league. He has the speed, the athleticism, the smarts and the wit, the hitting Mm -hmm. ability and the strength to go with tight ends, receivers, playing the slot, rush the quarterback. I I think that the Chargers are going to win this game, and I think they're going to win it handedly. I know the Ravens winning formula has shown in the past few weeks, but it's not a sustainable way to win. And with this team playing playing this Ravens team that they are now in such... A short period of time, I think that the Chargers are going to be able to harp on it. You got Joey Bosa going after Lamar Jackson, Melvin Ingram. They got a star set of Deven. They have King at cornerback, who just made first team All Pro. Same with Derwin James. They have All Pro defensive people all over. And then you get Melvin Gordon back at a hundred percent, playing with Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers, who has been such an amazing regular season quarterback throughout his career. And you got weapons, like finally a healthy Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams. You got a backup running back and Austin Eckler. And I just, I just don't see the Chargers losing this game. And to, mm-hmm. to get three points plus three at the Ravens, I think, I think that that's a lock and a half. And I will be mm-hmm. putting most of my money on that game in the mm-hmm. early window of the Sunday, night game, Sunday evening game. Yeah. Originally, Dinger, I'm on the same page as you. When this line came out or this matchup was cemented, I was like, Chargers all day. An 11-win team 
making the wild card. What the hell is that all about? But they're in the same division as the Chiefs. So that's what happens when you play in the same division as a high-octane team. They're in the wild card game going up against one of the best defenses in the league at home. To, to be honest, Dinger, that is the only thing that changed my mind. If I look back to last year, what happened with the Jaguars? A great defensive team with a mediocre to subpar quarterback made it to the AFC Championship because they had that home field play. They had the home field play, and that defense carried them all away. I can definitely see the Ravens doing the same here for Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson just needs to stay out of his own way. He needs to play his game, and if he can stick to the script, run the ball until they can stop him, make those short checkdown throws, air it out when the time is right, I definitely can see the Baltimore Ravens getting out in front of this game first and then holding off the defense and holding off um, holding off the, uh, the Chargers offense. Excuse me. I didn't definitely see that happening, but my confidence level in Lamar Jackson is about as low as anyone else's. A rookie quarterback starting maybe, what was it, six, six games this year he started? Mm-hmm. I don't see him in his first playoff game getting it done against a team as good as the Chargers have been. But you know what? Going back to what you said, Dinger, having played them only three weeks ago definitely hurts the, the Ravens' chances. I think Chargers, they got smacked in the mouth at home in prime time by this, uh, by this Ravens team. Have, nobody expected it. I had my money on the Chargers that game. I think the Chargers come out. They got more film on this team. They're going to have a game plan ready and for the Chargers Jackson. And the Chargers are a better road team, too. Exactly. They're playing in they the NFL great. stadium instead of a soccer stadium this week. So Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I definitely think we got to keep our eyes on this matchup, watch that line movement. But to me, I have to take the experienced quarterback, the better team record-wise. I have to take the Chargers. What do you think, Dinger? I'm taking the Chargers plus three, dude. Yeah, exactly. And, All right. Well, and now leading back in, into agreeance. Yep, and leading into our final matchup of my two least favorite teams probably in this entire playoffs. Fuck the Bears. Fuck the Eagles. And it's Bears minus six and a half. This is definitely also the toughest game for me to bet because six and a half points is a lot in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. you got a Bears team that's been – an insane defense, especially at home. Mitch, but do I trust Mitch Trubisky? Not really that much. I can see the Bears winning by 30, but I could also see them missing a field goal late to lose the game to Nick Foles. Nick Foles has quite possibly been one of the hottest quarterbacks in the NFL so far these past few weeks. They've beaten, mm-hmm. they've beaten the Redskins, the Texans, and the Rams. The Rams at, at the Rams. So, yeah, in this one, I think I probably have to – I really can't give you too much – it's a hard game to give you analysis and everything on, but my gut feeling just says I think the Bears are going to be able to win this game and win it by a lot. So I think I'll probably take Bears six and a half, but I'm not going to be putting much on it, if any at all. Yeah. This, to me, this game right here is a perfect teaser potential game. So if the, this is the biggest spread that we have in the, in the playoff match. See, I don't like six. teasers in the playoffs, but if you're going to tease like Alabama or tease like – Clemson with the Eagles or Clemson with the uh, the Bears, I think that, that that's the matchup. To, this is the matchup to do it. But in regards to NFL, teasing through zero is usually not good in the long run. And I wouldn't tease. I wouldn't tease any other NFL game. Well, if it's at six and a half dinger, like you said, I would definitely tease it down to minus half, minus a half point. 
Bears only have to win by one. I can definitely see that that happening. Bear, I, I definitely think the Bears win this game at home, and that defense is just way too star-studded. They're stacked. Cleo Mack is a perennial player. They have one of the best players in the league on their defense running the show. Uh, who else they got, Dinger? I, I can't even. They got Leonard up. Floyd. They got Danny mm-hmm. Trevation. They got Eddie Jackson. They've got Kyler Fuller, Kyle Fuller. They've got that big boy in the center, number 96, Akeem Hicks. They got mm-hmm. a bunch of stars on defense and a lot that have just. And then Roquan Smith as well. Yes, Roquan, Roquan. Smith. That's what I was forgetting. Emerging this year as, as a, the top linebacker pick in the NFL draft and just showing why he deserved to be the top pick. It's, it's, it's going to be a good game, and it's going to be a great matchup. Yeah. yeah, but my pick, honestly, I'm not laying down any, any cash on this one. No shekels will be lost on this game. But if I had a pick, I'm going Moneyline Bears. I think Bears just win this game. Foles has been great, but that Eagles team, what is their identity? Who have they been this year? They have been – like I can't even get a good read on them. They have been so two, like three different teams this year. But granted, like we said earlier, the hot team is the one that usually gets the job done. They had experience in the playoffs last year that they that with their backup quarterback, they were able to pull it out and get to the championship and win the, and win the Super Bowl. But I think that that Cinderella story is over, and I, I think the Bears they're they're writing a new chapter in their history. They're revamping that star-studded defense that they had throughout our entire childhood there. If you remember that defense. With Brian Erlacher, dude. Yeah, exactly. And they just replaced Erlacher with Cleo Mack, basically. Insert new, insert different future Hall of Famer here, basically, is what I'm getting at. I think the Bears are just going to be too stout for the, for the, I'm um, sorry. For, um, they're going to be too stout for the Eagles. And I think yeah. that they're going to win this game by, I think, maybe two scores, to be so quite honest. So we got three agreances and one di- disagreances. We'll be at the next – after next week, we're still going to bring you our Tuesday episode. So you will be hearing our our records in the playoffs thus far. Mm-hmm. But, you know what, Dinger, wrapping up on the the matchups here, before we go into our next seg- segment, who could you see being your surprise – AFC slash NFC championship team. It's it. You can put in any team for the AFC, and it would work. It would sound good on the AFC's perspective because I feel I believe the AFC is as wide open as it is every year. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you the simpleton Patriots answer that everybody always gives every year. So I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a good one. I'm going to give you a Chargers Cowboys Super Bowl. Wow. 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 Well, that is a hot take. That is a hot take far beyond my measures. I'm going with the Bears and the Chargers. That's what I see happening here, but I definitely think it's going to be um it's going to be a tough one. This is definitely we got two stacked teams in the NFC with the uh the Rams and the Saints with uh that home field advantage. But I can definitely see the defense bringing the Bears to the Super Bowl. That is my hot take. I got Bears Chargers. Looks like we're in agreement here on the Chargers then, huh? Uh-huh. Definitely, definitely. Well, moving on, going from one sport to the next, let's move on to basketball because there's been a lot of talk in the basketball NBA sphere this week um, and the week prior with um, LeBron James making some comments that might have rubbed some people the wrong way, including myself. 
What do you think, Dinger, about LeBron calling himself the greatest of all time on his, uh, on his uh, ESPN Plus show? That so has? I'm going to go into a little Grant. As you know, I'm a LeBron stan. I'm a huge LeBron fan. He brought two championships to Miami. Mm-hmm. He's the reason I started watching NBA basketball in the first place when I was in third grade and he had gotten drafted. I had seen him at the front of an ESPN magazine, uh, the the ESPN or Sports Illustrated magazine when I was younger, and read up all about him and said, this is going to be my favorite player. This is going to be my Michael Jordan. And ever since then, he hasn't disappointed. He's been quite possibly the greatest player in NBA history. And I do agree with him. But at some time, LeBron just needs to shut the fuck up talking about Mm -hmm. comparing – Trump to Hitler, and I'm not going to get into the politics behind it. I mean, he has the right to say whatever he wants. Good for him. But, dude, you just need to shut up and quit saying ignorant and dumbass fucking things. Stick to your charity. Stick to your civil rights and stuff like that, dude. Quit giving your opinion on stupid-ass politics that you know are just going to divide your fans in half. Mm-hmm. And, and I for agree. this, dude, you're just showing too much of an ego here, saying how you think you're the greatest ever already. Dude, your career's not even over. If you, the day you career, your career ended, said that you're the best player ever, dude, by all means, that's your place. But when you still have time to play, it just shows me that you think you've already given up and you've already reached the peak of your greatness. When I disagree completely, I think you can go on and be even greater. And the fact that you're just saying you think you're already the GOAT rubs me the wrong way, even though I agree with what he's saying. You just don't say that. I don't walk around town saying how I have the biggest fucking dick in the world because, one, I don't. But, two, because it's a fucking ignorant and dumbass thing to say. Mm-hmm. I definitely think his arrogance showed it, – it shined bright here when he, when he said this. Now, granted, a lot of talk in the, uh, in the media this week has been comparing one of uh, Michael Jordan's uh, former press conferences when he was asked if he was the greatest of all time. And he gave a very humble answer. And yeah, okay. I, I want to stop you there. Let me, let, me fin- yeah. let me finish. Let me finish. And so he gave a very humble answer in that one clip. And everyone is using that one clip to compare his response to LeBron's response. <laughs> but let's not forget, Dinger. Dinger, let's okay. not okay. forget that. Okay. Michael Jordan was one of the cockiest, arrogant, asshole players in the entire sports world for decades. Like, come on. Everyone knows – Michael Jordan's history. I think how the biggest. I think the biggest shock to the start of 2019 is the fact that people are trying to paint Michael Jordan as humble. Yes, like exactly. Come, come, fucking on, guys. I know Michael exactly. Jordan is not humble. At exactly. All. So what I'm getting at here is, I think LeBron just needs to shut up and let his play talk for itself. He is one of the best athletes this world has ever seen. He's uh, he's a perennial player. He's done so much in the charity, starting the I Promise School. He is such an activist for so many great things. But he can't get out of his own way. He thinks he can say whatever he wants. And to be honest, that rubs fans like me the wrong way. When he goes out there calling NFL owners, uh, uh, saying that they have a slave mentality, uh, it's either you do what I say or you're gone. Well, LeBron, I know you've never had a real job in your life, but your boss makes the rules. Just so you know, if your boss doesn't want you to say something or do something and you go ahead and you do it anyways, your boss is not going to be happy. So let's take that and let's transition it over to the NFL, to the NBA. These players, just because you guys are so great at what you do and you're bringing in all this revenue to the team, does not mean you can't be replaced. And it doesn't mean you can think for, for us. And yeah, I mean, like people in the NFL don't think they're slave owners. They're, they're, they're slaves being owned by slaves. 
exactly owned by their owners. They're making millions and millions of dollars doing what they love, doing what mm-hmm. they dreamed of when they were younger. And you have the audacity to disrespect them and call them slaves and call their owners slaves owners. Get the fuck out of here, LeBron. Exactly. Dude, you just you dude, shut the fuck up and keep with your charity. Dude, if you want to say fuck Trump and fuck that. Do, do it on your own means, time. By, by all means, do it on your own. I mean, do it on your own time. Do it on your podcast, dude. I'm fine with that. But don't go comparing the NFL owners to slave owners because mm-hmm. they're not. Because, because they, by they doing work that, they ass off to buy the team. And it's a business. If, mm-hmm. if I fucking walk into my office wearing a Trump shirt or deciding that I'm not going to partake in a certain event because I don't like the guy holding the event, you know what's going to happen? My ass is going to be shipped out. And there's going to be other – and then every time I apply for a new job, there's going to be somebody who's saying, I don't know about that Austin guy. I don't know about how I feel with him, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I just think that maybe LeBron didn't realize by calling the NFL owners slave owners, he's, he's in turn calling the NFL players slaves. If you're going to call the owners slave owners, you're calling the NFL players slaves. So – I don't want to get too much into this conversation because yeah. it's going down a slippery slope here. But I just yeah. think LeBron has gone to the point where he has done so much good in the world. He has played so well. He is one of the best players that any of us have ever seen. But he just thinks he can say whatever he wants and get and get away with it. And that's just not the case. You're rubbing a lot of your fans the wrong way. I just want you to go out. I want you to play hard basketball. And I want you to go out and beat the damn Warriors again. Well in said, the, Jack. Come on. Well like, fucking said. Exactly. I just think LeBron needs to take it down a notch and, and maybe just play the game of basketball and sh- keep doing what you're doing for the charities. But just shut up. Shut up. All right. And on that note, I think we should just give our final thoughts. Jack, you got mm-hmm. any? Go Seahawks, baby. We the 12s. So my final thought is brought to you by Colombian Nun in Colombia. Who just what about signed what about who just signed a six film contract with bang bros in miami to do Ooh. porn she decided i ain't want none of this nun shit and decided to be a cam girl in her home country of columbia once mm-hmm. bang bros got a, a sight of that they decided we're gonna ship this girl out from columbia to miami and have her do some porn for us and i'm wow. quite excited i might be getting a bang bros subscription sometime in the next week or so once mm-hmm. i start getting more information I do not know this girl's porn name, but I do know her real name. Uh, what, what is it, Dinger? It, oh, fuck it. I just lost it. I will be sure to give you guys her name on the next podcast. I promise. But on that note, guys, peace out. Yurt, this was Totally Uncalled For. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Totally Uncalled For. Peace out.